everybody. Welcome to another episode of Crime and Coffee. I am today's storyteller, Mike. And I am today's listener, Allison. You sure are. And you're going to join all of our other listeners and listening to me babble on, you know, hopefully uh, not endlessly. It's definitely not endlessly. That's hopefully sure. concisely with a accurately. beginning, middle, and end. Mm-hmm. Accurate is good. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of sources and things of that nature. Yes. Yeah. Hey, um, listen, if uh, you're listening to this, uh, we don't ask for any money. We don't ask, uh, we don't have any advertisements. So if you can give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that's all we ask. And maybe a couple nice words like, hey. These guys are good. You should listen. Something like that. You know, that, that we'd really appreciate it. But um, yeah, before I get into anything here, how's, how's things been going this week for you? you, uh, you you're going to be going on a little trip here pretty soon. Yes, we're actually recording early because I am taking a trip this weekend. I am leaving uh, in a couple days for New York City mm. with my girlfriends. Good city. Yeah, I've never been, so I'm really excited. Yeah, we're originally from Chicago, so I always say the, like, I went to New York for work a couple times, and it seems like New York City's kind of like five or six Chicagos in one. Like, it's just a ton, a ton of people and buildings and all sorts of stuff, and so many different things to see and do, and like, even like two weeks in New York is probably not enough. Yeah, so we're only going to be there for three nights, so we're going to have to kind of pack it in. Um, but luckily, we get there early on the one day and then leave late the other day. So we have like, you know, of several full days. Yeah. So what are your top priorities? Uh, we are going to cross the Brooklyn Bridge, walk over it, um, check out Brooklyn. We're going to this. Uh, so I was going to say the Sears Tower. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> that it's is in, in Chicago. Chicago. And it's not even called that anymore. Willis Tower. Uh, Statue of Liber- Liberty we're going to go to. We're going to take a sh- uh, ferry boat to Ellis Island. And we have Broadway tickets to see Waitress. I think our um, forefathers probably came to Ellis Island. Um, um, I know mine did, for sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure mine did. On Ancestry.com, I found the name of the ship and everything. That's really cool. Yeah, I got a picture of it and all that. Yeah, so I've just been packing and getting ready. And of course, when I come back, it's the week of Thanksgiving, which we host. And so I've got a lot on my plate right now. And yeah, you do. I'm trying not to get stressed out. I'm trying not to get anxious. And I'm trying to convey to my family to please help me and keep the house in functioning order while I'm gone. I'll tell you what, I'm feeling pretty good. I yeah. think we're prepared. You know, we've got gifts under the tree. Thanks to you working on them all day today. Yeah, I was wrapping the presents that have come because I have like several gifts delivered every day from Amazon. So I caught up and wrapped them all today. In addition to your various trinkets and such that come from Amazon. Yeah. Your daily deliveries like a lot of Americans do these days. Um, yeah, well, that's exciting. I'm, uh, I'm going to have the kiddos myself and um, got a little uh, sleepover with the son. Uh, he's got a couple of his buddies coming over. So that'll be fun. And uh, yeah, besides that, we'll miss you. We'll miss you dearly. I'll miss you guys too, but it'll go by fast. It's always a fun opportunity to kind of do something different too. Yeah. And I I rarely get out of my comfort zone. So it's good for me to kind of get away from the family a little bit. Uh, we were going to share a hotel room with the, the, it was three of us girls. And I'm like, eh, I, I'm so used to waking up at 4.30 in the morning that I just can't sleep in. And the idea of like sitting in a dark room till 8 a.m., is just like horrifying to me. So I'm like, ah, uh, you know what? I found an Airbnb that's a, actually a little cheaper than a hotel room. So I'll probably put myself out in the living room so that if I wake up, I can brew some coffee, put the TV on, that sort of thing, and not be like a prisoner in a hotel room. Did you see the uh, Google Street View of it? I did not. It no. looks adorable. It's like a nice little, I don't even know if it's a brownstone or not. I don't know what the definition of a brownstone is, but it looks like one of those type of places. Okay. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. So cool. yeah, I'm pumped. Yeah, that's good. Um, I, one thing I need to tell you, I didn't tell you yet today, but I was picking up our daughter Reese from school 
And we were talking about um, going to somewhere with a lot of people. I was like, maybe we can go to the main event this weekend, which is like a place that has like bowling and video games and all that stuff. And she's like, yeah, mommy wouldn't like to go to that kind of thing because she doesn't like people. <laughs> she was, doesn't like people. <laughs> I was like, what? Did she tell you that? She's like, yeah, mommy said, you know, she doesn't like crowds and she generally doesn't like people. And I was like, well, you know, she likes people. She's like, yeah, I know. She just doesn't like to be in crowds. Yeah, I'd be perfectly fine at a place like that. But I don't want to be in anywhere where I'm shoulder to shoulder with people or if I have like no access to a bathroom. Like when we watch the ball drop at Times Square, that is like my worst nightmare. If I had to be jam packed in the cold with all these people and God forbid I have to pee, which I have to nonstop all day. Yeah. What do I do? I mean, I might pee three times in a day if that you're probably what 17 um i would guess 10? like maybe 10 oh that's a lot yeah it's a lot of wiping and hand washing wiping hand washing. <laughs> it's, it's a lot surprised you're not uh, i put a lot of lotion on my hands yeah that's good it's good for you so uh you want to dive into this here let's dive okay let me tell tell you uh you you this is your first time hearing it so um tell me if you've heard of this before okay uh the mcstay family murder no, I have not. Okay. Not that I'm aware of. It doesn't ring a bell at, at all. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of names out there, a lot of stories. So a uh, little confession time. Every time I start researching uh, one of these stories, I always think, oh my gosh, this is going to be 20 minutes. And we're going to be done. Mm-hmm. And then and I, you get to talking. Exactly. I get more into it and I find more details. And this one's no different than those. So um, let's start. And you it said out. it was McStay? McStay. M-C-S-T-A-Y. Okay. Yep. So we've got the McStay family. They're a family of four. Uh, they are Summer McStay, uh, her husband Joseph, and their young sons Gianni and Joseph Jr. Are they Italian? Because um, McStay, McStay sounds is like Irish, Irish, right? But those names are Italian. Yes, so. it does sound a little Italian. Maybe so, they're a blended family. Maybe. So Summer McStay was uh, forty-three. Her husband's uh, forty, and then the kids uh, Gianni is four, and Joseph Jr. is three. Aw. And so they were uh, living in beautiful San Diego. Okay. Been there once and absolutely gorgeous. Just beautiful all year long. Yeah. No uh, heat and humidity or freezing cold. Yep. Lots of good fish tacos, uh, surfing, you name it. So great place for them to live. They were living a happy life by all accounts and you know, had recently moved to a new house, which they were renovating and turning into their dream home. So kind of living the uh, the dream here. Joseph had a newly successful business designing and installing water fountains. Oh, yeah. Is that what rich people do? Like, like as in not drinking fountains, but nope. like in your garden or something like that? Correct, like babbling brook and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he had water fountains, which I always love those. Every time I'm walking in the neighborhood and I, I hear one, like that little bubbling kind of thing. Yeah, the sound is very soothing. Yeah, absolutely. Then I started thinking, well, it's going to take a lot of upkeep, a lot of maintenance, you know, going to have to decorrode it or whatever. But uh, that's what he did and was doing really, really well. Like it was going bonkers, basically. So being that he owned his own company, obviously, you can imagine he had a nice flexible schedule. Um, yeah, obviously, he was busy, but he could also spend time with family and you know, be home for dinner and stuff like that and just kind of work it around his own family. Um, just basically you know, all about spending time with family. So they're doing really well for themselves. And uh, unfortunately, on February 4th of 2010, they disappeared. Oh, geez. Yep. At 8.28 p.m., a call was placed from Joseph's cell phone to his business associate, Charles Chase Merritt. Okay. Okay. Which went to voicemail. Merritt later told police that he ignored the voicemail because he was watching a movie. So it wasn't until five days later, on February 9th, when family and business partner, the business partner, um, Chase, 
Hadn't heard from Joseph in five days. So they sent a coworker into his house to kind of see what's going on. Five days is a long time to be missing it and is. To, to not have that investigated. Yeah, they figured that there was, you know, probably they're on vacation or something, like unannounced. No, that just doesn't happen. Yeah. People don't just go on vacation and leave their business high and dry. Well, they went to go check on things and they went to go look at their dogs. Like they love their dogs. Mm-hmm. They're big time dog people, treated them really well. Like, you know, you knew this family, you knew their dogs, basically. Sure part of the family yep so the co-worker went over to the house to go see if the dogs were there because surely if they're on vacation the dogs would be gone and um the dogs were outside uh had food in the bowls and you know running around doing whatever so they looked around they didn't see him at all and they're like okay well they must be somewhere you know maybe he's at a job or doing something else you know it, it was kind of you know it's it's like you know they don't necessarily check in with each other every single day so kind of they're independent about their business and it wouldn't be that they were in the office together and they'd be missing them in the office yeah or that either they were there or that they had somebody taking care of their dogs while they were gone mm-hmm. like coming in and just like feeding them letting them out for a little while and coming back you know whatever sure. so it wasn't i guess completely unheard of for them to maybe go on a vacation really quick okay i don't know so Four days after that. So now we're at what, nine days? Uh, yes. On February 13th, when the family hadn't been heard from in nine days, um, Joseph's brother, Michael, went to the house. He found no signs of a break in except for a partially open window, which he used to get into the house because it was locked and I guess he didn't have a, a key. So, uh, yeah, newer house, maybe he didn't get it yet. Uh, inside, he found a pretty normal scene. The family had moved into the house three months earlier. Okay. So, um, you know, boxes open and stuff, still unpacking. Not like you, who would be completely unpacked right yes, away. Yes, yes. We went over that in a previous we episode. We sure did. Um, psycho! Yeah, yeah, you are definitely a psycho. I'm glad you see that. Um, <laughs> so, Joseph's brother, yeah, you know, found no sign of the family. Um, he left a note for whoever was taking care of the dogs. And they said, hey, can you please call me mm-hmm. when you get this note? Love to talk to you. Just, you know, where's my family or where's my brother and his family? Um, and the dogs were there and they appeared to be in good health. Yes. The dogs, I would assume he checked their food bowls. They probably had food and water. Um, at that time, they didn't. So okay. when he went. Um, okay. But then maybe he thought, oh, they're coming later in the yeah, day. Right. Exactly. And I'm sure he would check on them again or whatever. So uh, later that night, he got a phone call from Animal Control. Okay. Uh, they were planning to take the dogs because... They'd been over to the house and realized that nobody was there and they hadn't been without with food or water for over a week. So obviously the neighbors called animal control. Correct. So as it turned out, someone from animal control was the one stopping by and feeding the dogs. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Which, That's <laughs> some good going above and beyond as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Um, so Summer and Joseph, they hadn't arranged for anyone to feed them. So automatically Michael, the brother, he's like, okay. So, Wouldn't happen. Yeah, never. There's definitely something up here. Sure. Something's going on. So Joseph's brother, obviously, he's spooked. He's like, what's going on here? Uh, he wanted to call the police and report the family missing yeah, right away. Very smart idea. Yep. He knew they would never leave him without food, without water, and like really. Any good pet owner <laughs> yeah. would not do that. You don't have to be like the world's greatest pet owner. Right. You just don't. You, gotta, you basically have to be a big piece of shit to do that. Exactly. Yeah. So on February 15th, 11 days after the family was last heard from, the police searched the mixed day family home. So it looked normal to Joseph's brother. He's like, you know, this is totally looks fine. But it was also kind of worrisome for the investigators because, you know, as they were moving in, it'd be hard to kind of see a struggle because there's stuff laying all over the sure. place. Sure. So you can't see like nothing's in perfect order as of yet. So it's hard to judge that. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, lack of furniture and, you know, just renovations were being done mm-hmm. and like things are just a miss all over the place. Right. So... 
Um, you know, it was really hard to kind of find out if things were, you know, struggling or, you know, people breaking in. They didn't see any break in, like nothing like that. So. Nothing glaring was seen or not looking at blood drops on the floor or something like that. Yep. So what they did find, though, there was some raw food left out, uh, depending on what you look at. Um, they said there was popcorn left on the sofa. Uh, looked like kids bowls with some popcorn in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, eggs left out. Um, some vegetables that were being cut. So it seemed like something was being prepared. Sure. Somebody was in the middle of doing something. And why would they walk out and leave it for that many days to just rot? Exactly. So it indicated the family, if they did leave, they're planning on coming back. Right. And they weren't planning on just like getting up and going. No. Yep. So no signs of foul play, like I said, um, and really no other evidence to figure out where they left. So really no notes, anything like that, any kind of indication. But earlier in that week before the family disappeared, Summer had made plans to visit her sister, who recently had a baby. Okay? So, also a family friend was helping to paint the house and left with the intention of returning on Saturday. Their their home? Yep. And the outside or inside? Um, I don't know. Probably out. Yeah, I don't know. So, painting something. So, they basically, the, the reason for me bringing this up, they were planning on being there. Okay. So, they weren't like, okay, we're going to be gone. Right. They had a guy coming sure, back to paint sure. the house. Right? Okay. So. There's many, I mean, she, her sister was right. You wouldn't just make plans to see your new niece or nephew and just not show up. Exactly. So that's all to say there was no plans to Mm -hmm. be gone. Uh, On Thursday, February 4th, the last day the McStay family was heard from, Joseph had attended some regular work meetings. So um, cell phone records indicate that he drove home after the meeting. So they're triangulating his cell phone, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what I love about these newer stories that you can track where what's the path of where the person went yep exactly and he even continued continued to make calls into that evening okay so now we go to the investigators they finally got a break um they were asking all the neighbors did anybody see anything anybody have any cameras luckily one of the neighbors did have a camera and the security camera caught the mcstay's car leaving their home on the evening of february 4th okay now it only caught like the bottom 18 inches of the car so you didn't see who was in the car. You mm-hmm. didn't see anything, but you did see it was their car. I think it was a Tahoe. Okay. So um, the car never returned home. You know, they watched all the, the recordings and everything. Um, investigators also discovered that the same car had been towed on February 8th for a parking violation near the Mexican border. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. So investigators immediately seized that car and searched it for evidence. Uh, inside, they found really a standard scene of a family car, um, a few toys, Car seats in their proper positions, and the front seats were adjusted to Summer and Joseph's sizes. Okay. So, which I didn't even think about, but obviously, investigators, you know, look into seeing if it's moved around a little bit, maybe, you know, one the size of a big man, the other one's the size of a man, too, but they said, yeah, it's all pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. So, no signs of foul play that they could find, Um, but the fact that they left the car there and, you know, with toys and stuff for four days after leaving home so close to the Mexican border was just... You know, setting off alarms. Yeah, nothing here is adding up. No, no, it's just totally bizarre. I take it the kids were too young to be in school, being three and four years old. So it's not like that they were missing from school, too. Right, right. So it's kind of a perfect storm or an unperfect storm, I mm, guess. Right, that so much time went by. Yep, exactly. So in addition to that, obviously, you go to check the security cameras in the parking lot. And um, they looked in the security cameras and... They saw the car was towed and confirmed that the car had not arrived until the afternoon of February 8th. So four days, which the family was unaccounted for. Right. They saw them pull out the night of the 4th, correct? Yep. Okay. So somewhere in there, they have no idea where that car was. Mm-hmm. So after that, 
they discovered that neither of the family's cars had traveled to Mexico in years. Like they looked in to see and like, okay, maybe they had a secret plan to eventually escape here or, you know, go open, start a new life, whatever it might be. Something crazy. You know, they're looking at every single angle. Sure. Um, but in years, you know, just, I don't know how they looked at the cars. Maybe, oh, probably border patrol and everything. Mm-hmm. Records of them passing through. Yeah. Driver's plate and license plates and all that. So they thought the family had not driven into Mexico during the unaccounted for four days. You know, they looked for all the all the signs of that, and they couldn't find anything. So it was at the border, but they themselves never went through the border. Correct. As far as I can find uh-huh. with records. So the family and friends the next days didn't expect them to be at the Mexican border. They, you know, had adamantly, like, this is really interesting, I found. Summer had stated many times that she felt Mexico was too unsafe, and she would never go there willingly. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> like, not, it was... <laughs> she's not flocking willingly to Mexico. Right, right. It's like, no, this, I, I would never go there. Like, they were worried about the drug trade and everything like that, and just unsafe conditions. Right. They were not interested in going to Mexico, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's like, her family is like, no, no, this would never happen. There's no way. Yeah, unless it was some huge cover-up that we're totally unaware of, but we we know her. So, um, however, what was really interesting, uh, forensics people checked the family's computer for searches and things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just to see if there's any clues. And they found a search that was quote, "What documents do children need for traveling to Mexico?" Okay, weird. Right? Yeah. So, so they're they're getting one side that's like, no, they would never go to Mexico, and they find the computer that says, "Yeah, how do we go to Mexico?" Sure. Okay. So after that, a discovery on border surveillance video changed the course of the entire investigation. Oh, boy. Okay. So investigators found four people who resembled the mixed days walking across the border at approximately 7 p.m. Walking across the border. Uh, at the border check-in. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how it works going t- into Mexico. I've gone into Canada. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just pull our car up. They ask us questions, kind of look into our car quickly. And then we drive through. There's no getting out of the car and walking through. Right. So I don't know either. I've never been to the Mexican border. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't. they didn't say whether this was a weird thing. I would imagine that's pretty weird. You probably don't want to just walk through. but Because you're driving. Right. Right. I mean, you probably have a, somewhere to go. It's like, okay, well, here we are in Mexico. Um, So. <laughs> <laughs> just want to walk into Mexico, touch it, and come All back. right. Let's go back. Yeah. Like, hey, hon, you want to walk to Mexico this morning? Sure. Sure. Sounds great. Let's bring the kids. So, um, they were at around 7 p.m. on February 8th, less than two hours after parking the car in the nearby parking lot. The video shows a male adult and a child walking in front of a female adult with another child. The sizes of the people appear to match McStay and the family. Okay. Uh, McStay family. So, when the family members were called in to help identify the people in the video, uh, they had some mixed reactions. Hmm. So, it was uh, a, little, a little, bit of, little bit of yes, a little bit of no. They recognized the children. They're like, yep, those are probably the kids. Uh, looks like Summer. Yep. But Joseph's mother believed that if the man in the video was Joseph, his hair would have been much bushier. I wonder how grainy the video was. Um, probably. You, you would imagine that it must have been pretty grainy because people would know right off the bat if it was you or I yeah. or the kids walking through. Right. Right. So I'm guessing it wasn't the best quality. Probably. Yeah. I mean, and, and that was quite a while ago. But I mean, it's at the border, too. And that's a pretty important area. So. Okay. So his hair wasn't bushy enough. Yeah. So obviously, it was pretty close to see bushiness. Sure. Hair. Sure. But otherwise, they said the family looked identical to the mixed days. Weird. So the mom's like, eh, I don't know. His hair, you know, you think mom would know the best. Um, so they were all dressed similarly to the mixed days. And the children were wearing hats similar to the ones they'd been photographed in pri- or mm-hmm. previously. But several family members did not believe the man in the video was Joseph. Okay, so he was the outlier. Everybody else was checking out except for Joseph. Yep. 
Investigators believe that the family pictured is likely the McStays based on the analysis of family photos and home videos. Mm -hmm. They're like, okay, maybe he like, you know, cut his hair. Sure. People get haircuts. Yeah. And you're hoping the best, you know, your family member. Of course member, you are. You're like, no, that's not, no, that's definitely not my son. Yeah, who knows? I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure they're looking well, at Well, I mean, angle. their minds must be boggled at this point. Yep. Um, now, also, it, investigators found emails indicating the couple asked about passport requirements for traveling to Mexico with children shortly before they disappeared. I don't know. That, that was reported on another website. I don't know if they were confusing the search that was found earlier because that there was only one website I found that on. Okay. That there was emails asking about it. Um, relatives said it was really uncharacteristic of the mixed days to just pick up and leave without telling family members. Oh, of course. And then I wonder too, did the boys have the little boys have passports? I would assume because otherwise they would have had to ob- obtain them. Right. Um, so the father had a passport. The mother had an expired passport. Okay. And the boys, they had one. Uh, they only found one of their birth certificates still at the house. So the other one may have been taken. Okay. So, and can you get through the border with an expired passport? They say that it's possible. If like somebody overlooks it? No, or like if you sign something and there's something gotcha. like that. I don't, I, I don't even own a passport. I know that's sad to say, but that's pretty sad. I'll get there. Yeah, we got to get you one. Get you out to uh, Jolly Old England. Like For a, now, I'll start with New York City. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we get to April 9th, 2013. Based on the surveillance video captured at the border... Uh, the San Diego Sheriff's Department investigators announced that the McStay family left for Mexico voluntarily. Okay. So they've decided they're like, looks like they went to Mexico. Mm-hmm. So all points bulletin, everybody tell everybody in Mexico, start posting pictures and stuff. Watch out for the McStay family. Right. Please try to find them. They're missing. Right. So they believe they willingly walked across the border with no indication that there was any distress, not like somebody holding a gun. Sure. And that's what I was going to ask too. what the video looked like was, you know, the guy's arm around the kid that it could have been in a threatening manner. How did the video appear to look? But it looks like they were staggered. So he wasn't even in control of summer. Right. Because they were two and two. Yeah. Like willingly going together. Sure. As a family. Sure. Mm hmm. So, and this is actually, I, I wrote it all down here. So, investigators searched for passport records for the family. They found that Joseph had that valid passport, mm-hmm. but that it had not been used before or after the disappearance. Okay. So, it was never checked at the border or anything huh. like that. Uh, Summer's like passport was expired, like I said. Pretty good memory. Look at me. So, how would we assume Joseph got in if he hadn't used his passport? This was a big mystery. Yes. Nobody knows. Maybe they, oh, I mean, you can make a deal with somebody, you know, then you start looking at you know, border agents. Right. Trying to see if they, he had a relationship with one or whatever it might be. Yeah, obviously, you don't want to show that you're going in if you don't want anybody to know you're going to Mexico. Right. So, um, but yeah, her passport was expired. Couldn't find any records that she had applied for a new one. And like you, I said, neither children had passports. Um, they did find one of the birth certificates, left it behind. It would have been, so this is this guy said it would have been impossible for the mixed days to travel into Mexico with insufficient documents. Yeah, so, that, okay. that would make sense. Because right. otherwise, what are we obtaining passports for? Yeah, right. It's like, ah, I'm feeling good today. You can go through. <laughs> but you know, like, no you, worries. You know, if you go to like the airport and you don't have your ID. No. They, you can still fly. It, you have to go through a certain amount, a certain process. But I imagine it's probably different going to a different country. Okay, yeah. I don't know because I've always had my proper identification. But I would assume, because I remember um, one of my coworkers' friends, they were going to Ecuador or something like that. That's where her family lives. And something happened with one of the documents and they had to cancel their trip. And that sucks. And that yeah, that's a lot more dicey going international, mm-hmm. for sure. Because you have to depend on two different laws. Yeah, and- of course. Yeah. 
So yeah, it makes sense. Um, so in addition to that, investigators were looking into every avenue, obviously, right? Of course. They've discovered that Summer had changed her name multiple times throughout her life. Huh. Her first name? Um, Was it fall and I think, winter? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> That's not nice. Uh, maybe. I don't well, know. Well, I mean, I, you said summer. she changed her name. You're right. Summer, winter, I fall. I do think Summer is a very beautiful name. It is lovely. I was not sure if you meant like she changed, like, I don't know. Yeah. Didn't say first or last, but I said she's changed her name several times. Huh. That's interesting. Like, legally changed her name multiple times. Yeah, which you don't hear that a lot. Like, today I want to be Felicia. But you know what? You probably wouldn't hear it a lot for somebody that changes their name. They probably don't want you to know that. I've never met a person in my life that I have known to have changed their name. Yeah, the person probably doesn't want you to know that. Well, I, I'm saying like of the people I know closely from high school and college and things like that. It's completely possible. I've never heard like our friend Leslie from college is now Maria. You know what's weird? I thought of Leslie too. Did you? Yeah, I could totally see her changing her name. Well, you know, she Couldn't likes she her, likes new adventures. I could see her being born as like Bertha or something. I don't be know like about that, but that's yeah. interesting. I, I mean, I know some people don't like the names their parents give them, but several times that seems like a lot. Do you check the IDs of every one of your friends? I do not, but I know I've met them in sixth grade as Gina and they're still Gina now. Well, they got to keep the game going. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, my goodness. You are. I tell you. I, I really don't know what you're talking about, yeah, Mike. That's okay. So crazy. While changing your name isn't really necessarily an indication that you're a bad person. Well, no, of course it's not. I'm just commenting that that's interesting. No, it's but nothing it, to do with this case and her disappearance. No, I'm saying absolutely. It you know something for the investigators to look into. Right. They're like, this person likes to change things and their identity, so like maybe... Like a chameleon. Exactly. Maybe they wanted to change their entire life right now. Yeah. So... But then again, why would you take the time to move into a house three months previously? Right. Right. Exactly. So, um, yeah, they wanted to... There were some theories going around that Summer was responsible for the disappearance. Okay. At some point. Um, you know, they're kind of leaning towards her. I think that, you know, the, the public sentiment really started to lean that way. And the Joseph was the one that looked different. Like, did she leave her husband and run away with this new guy that has less bushy hair? Right. Yeah. And uh, some people said she was controlling. Um, okay. there, was, there was mention of that. So that's this. That's not factual. That's just there was, you know, through the four or five different articles I looked at that was mentioned. People might say that about me too. They would. Yeah. You wear, you wear the pants. You <laughs> they might. I wear whatever pants you tell me to wear. That's not true. Mike has an opinion. Um, you but... tell me my opinion to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. So I'm um, just kidding. So, you know, it is possible summer was using a different name at this point, but no records of passports with any other names that had hers right. were, were there. So, so this entire case left investigators and loved ones just like completely confused. Yeah. And they're just like, I don't know where we go from here. That's awful. Yeah. It's, you know, dead end. Well, you're just befuddled of where the hell is the family? Did they not love us all? Like, did they all want to leave? Like, So investigators are like, yeah, they left. They're in Mexico somewhere. And then you're like, why would they do that? What did we do? Why would they take our grandkids away from us? Right. That's I mean, it's just none of it makes sense. Yep. Yep. So... On May 13th, seven investigators arrived in El Rosario, Mexico, after a tip from the staff of a local restaurant. The waiter supposedly accurately described a birthmark on Joey McStay's forehead. Okay, so he's got a distinguishable birthmark. Yes. So I wonder, do they have like signs up? Because this is several months now. This is three months. Yes, signs all over the place. Okay. Um, they contacted the, uh, I think I have it a little bit later here, but you know, eventually this went from a... Uh, a local 
news story to more of a national and international kind of thing. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, they're, they're trying to get anybody they can. Yeah. Like I didn't know if like in Mexico, they had billboards up. Have you seen these people type of situation? Yep. They, uh, they identified or told all the different authorities like, Hey, be on the lookout for this family of four. Okay. Yeah. White people that are hanging out in Mexico, basically. Um, on June 19th, the McStay family mystery was featured on America's most wanted. Oh, back to that. Our last story featured that. It did. And um, nothing really came out of it. Okay. So I'm just going well, to... Well, because the there was no information, you know? <laughs> right. They're like, hey, they're in Mexico. Go find them. Right. Good luck. Um, America's Most Wanted, though. I wonder if that airs in Mexico. I don't know. Probably not. I, it might be a national show. Yeah. Who knows? Okay. I guess America, North America. So it's not just United States of America. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you got August 3rd. Um, the family started taking the belongings from their house, uh, the McStay house. Yeah. Uh, they're like, they're never coming back. What, what do we do here? And, yeah. you know, who's paying the mortgage? <laughs> right. Like, I'm certainly not paying it. Are you paying Nobody's it? There. Did you pay that? No, I didn't pay it. Because I would imagine in San Diego, it's certainly not cheap to live. No, probably a very expensive house. And at this point, you know, what was that? Six months had gone by. Yep. So now we're all the way to April. April of the following year. Uh, yeah, because we were in February. Yep. It, oh, no, no. So Even, that would be 2011. So 2013. 2013. So three years have yeah, passed? Yeah, three years passed. Holy cow. Still nothing. Uh, no sign. Jeez. Oh, so what happened with the birthmark? The guy in nothing. the... Nothing. Nope. So I meant to say, yeah, they, they, sound, they looked into it and they couldn't find anything. Oh, so maybe a guy geez. just looked like him. But, Crazy. Yeah. Um, in April 2013... Finally, the San Diego Sheriff's Department turned the case over to the FBI, which was more equipped to investigate cases that involve other countries. So, And now they look different. You know, the boys are three years older. Yep. Completely different scenario. So it's a lot harder to identify them. Yeah. And, you know, this started gaining all sorts of traction, like from all these... Actually, I have it right here. It started really gaining a lot of curiosity from the public in general. Well, sure. It's a, such a mystery that yeah. a family of four just disappears this, without a trace. This is a huge story. Like, it was all over the place. I'm like surprised the McStay I family, never gone. heard about it. Right. And uh, this back in the day. So, yeah, you know, whoever, you're probably busy. But, um, yeah, everybody was trying to find, like, be the one to crack it, mm-hmm. basically. So... You know, it was so many like amateur radio and podcasters and, you know, YouTubers and whatever. They're all just trying to find it. But we're still heavily focused on Mexico exclusively at this point. Okay. Well, not at this point, but since the beginning. Yeah. I mean, as far as everybody knows, they're in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Um, The radio host Rick Baker published a book called No Goodbyes, The Mysterious Disappearance of the McStay Family. Baker began following the case in 2013 after interviewing Michael McStay. On his program. That's the brother. brother. Yeah, the brother. Um, He did a bunch of interviews on the case. He even traveled to like Mexico, Belize, Haiti, Dominican Republic, following like every single lead that he possibly could. He was bound and determined. Like, I'm going to figure this out. Interesting how a stranger will dedicate their work to solving a case about a family like he's never even met before. Yeah, you know, something just kind of takes you. Sure, absolutely. And you find the opportunity. Maybe he found a little lead somewhere and he's like, I'm going to figure this out. Mm -hmm. That was him. So... He followed leads, reported on possible sightings of the family, and in his book, he speculated that Summer might have committed the murders. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, kind of a big accusation. Yeah, that's a heavy one. I mean... Because that would be her husband and her two children. Yes, and the family's going to have this book out there. and Yeah, that's yeah, it's a big, big thing to put out. Yeah. You know, imagine being Summer's mother or sister or whatever. Well, yeah, you'd be like, motherfucker, you have no idea. You you don't even know her. How dare you? And you're putting this out that now you're villainizing my daughter who could have been captured and killed herself. Right. 
So I, I mean, he's probably just trying to sell books, but at the expense of this, you know, ladies and families like lives. reputation. Absolutely, kind of gross in my opinion. Then we've got November eleventh, two thousand thirteen. Okay, uh, a motorcycle rider, an off off road motorcycle rider, is out in the desert riding around in the desert, wide, great wide open. Please tell me he doesn't come across four bodies. He finds a small human skull, Ugh. likely belonging to a child. In northern Victorville Desert. Okay, so we're like out in the middle of nowhere. Yep. The remains of two adults and two children were recovered in the California desert. In the California desert? Yep. Okay, so wait, where was this motorcycle rider? Uh, Out in the desert. Of California? Yeah. Okay, for some reason my brain's still in Mexico. Right. Okay, so they never even made it to Mexico. Right, San Diego's really close to Tijuana. Sure, sure. So... um, Two days later, the remains were identified as the McStay family. The deaths have been ruled a homicide. That's terrible. Yep. Pretty sad stuff. And that author, Rick Baker, Uh he he offered a refund to anybody who purchased the book before November 2013. Man, you know, he's villainizing this woman who's body is just turning to bones out in the desert yeah you you speculated that she did this and meanwhile she's dead that 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 would be a tough pill and you have to put your tail between your legs yeah i mean absolutely I, he's got to feel absolutely terrible Ugh. you know he made his best guess which but who was he to make that guess he wasn't anybody no yeah kind of a piece of shit so um after the bodies were found investigators and the public focused on chase Merritt. Remember okay that? chase was um charles what was his role in this he was like um a business associate okay of um joseph's yep okay okay was he he wasn't the painter right no okay that was uh I that think was a just family, a random person yeah i think a family friend or something okay. like that but that was the first guy i talked about in the very beginning yeah he was one of the last people to contact um joseph mm-hmm. so um he was the last like i said he was the last known person to have contact with joseph and that was on that february 4th correct correct that day that they sure. disappeared and the first to notice his disappearance mm. handy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah starting to get pretty interesting here now imagine like being a podcaster back in the day and not having all this like this is you know this is where you start to figure out what happened I right mean, it was unsolved mystery at this point sure you know so this is this is where it gets really interesting here now, according to the state records, Merritt had felony convictions for burglary and receiving stolen property. His most recent conviction was in 2001 for the theft of 32 grand worth of welding and drilling equipment from the San Gabriel Valley Ornamental Ironworks Not in cool. Monrovia, California. Not cool at all. So he's got a record. Mm-hmm. He's capable of doing certain things, maybe not murdering a family, but not very honest. Right. So even an acquaintance of Merritt told the San Diego reporter, quote, I think police should look at him and anyone associated with him. You got to look at the whole motive, though. You know, what is he gaining from wiping out an entire family? Oh, absolutely. That's, you know, the cops right away are into this. Like, okay. And it's one thing if they try to do something with Joseph, but the kids? Yeah. You know, not to say that it's okay if they did something to Joseph, but why involved a three and a four-year-old? Well, you know, maybe Joseph did some bad deeds or, you know, whatever. Yeah, and it's one of those, like, like, I'll take care of your family. Yeah, who knows? And uh, that's all in the possibilities here. Of course. Yep. So, you know, and basically, it's one of those things, like, you hear of people that are just basically bad people and have Mm -hmm. done bad things in the past. This guy, Chase, is one of those guys. Uh, Not only that, but things started to pile on to Chase, Merritt shortly after thereafter here so. now can i ask you was he looked at at all before their bodies were found yeah everybody looked into everybody every uh-huh. possibility 
He was interviewed a few times. Okay, so now we're coming back around. Yeah, I think what really screwed the whole investigation was that video of them going over the border. Right. Who the hell are these people going right. over the border? Right. That yeah. strongly resemble the family to the point that Summer's own family thought it was her. Right, exactly. So that, that whole thing screwed up everything. Yeah. Once they decided, hey, this is closed, they're in Mexico, then he was off scot-free, basically. Uh-huh, sure. Right. So um, according to a documentary called American Greed, have you ever heard of American Never. Greed? Never. I, I think it's on Netflix and HBO. It's like hmm. it, I, they cover different cases. Definitely something to look into. But um, according to that documentary, Chase Merritt was interviewed and referred to his so-called best friend, Joseph McStay, in the past tense. Before, oh. Before it was proven he had Which died. is worth assuming they're off in Mexico living their best life. Like, he's a great guy. You know? It's like, like, what do you mean he was? Right. So it was just kind of like, okay. Uh, yeah, investigators are mm-hmm. like, okay. One of those radars, the antenna went up. Yeah, write that down in the old notebook. Mm-hmm. And follow up with it if needed later. So they asked him about it. They're like, what do you mean he was? He's like, oh, I, I'm not sure why I did that. You know, he's just like, I, it would slip. Whatever. I mean, I guess I can potentially see. I say that about people I worked with. Well, she was really funny. Well, she's still funny. You know, <laughs> yeah. she's just not funny here. No, no. I mean, now it, make, it starts to make more sense. Right. At the time, you're like, okay, whatever. He was because he's not here anymore. He's not mm-hmm. here with us. He's in Mexico or whatever he is. I get that. Um, also, he had told a CNN interviewer that he was, quote, definitely unquote, the last person to see Joseph alive. Why would you put the spotlight on yourself? <laughs> I was definitely. Yeah, I was like, definitely. well, maybe he had Chinese delivery that night. How do you right. know? Right, exactly. Or some neighbor, you know, taking out the garbage. You whatever. have no idea that you were definitely. I mean, imagine giving somebody a ride home at nine o'clock at night. I couldn't say I was definitely the last person to see that person. No, I would say I have no idea if I was the last. I, you know, if they asked me, were you the last person? I'd be like, I don't know. How the hell would I know what they did when they got home? Fucking ask, ask him. I don't know. I, yeah. If you find him, ask him. Yeah. That's uh, weird that he would do that, though. Yeah. It just kind of slipping. Like, why things. would you want to implicate yourself yep. as being the last person? For sure. Eh, it sounds like a dumbass, basically. But one of the most damning pieces of evidence was when forensic investigators looked into his QuickBook QuickBooks accounting software of Joseph McSay's business. Mm-hmm. So QuickBooks is, you know, takes care of invoices and checks going in and out and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, they found multiple checks that had been backdated and made out to Chase Merritt or vendors that he owed money to, okay. that Chase Merritt owed money to. Mm-hmm. So these, you know, normally it wouldn't kind of raise any flags, but they looked into like the, the metadata. So like when this check was created and they were created after the family disappeared, but it was backdated to make it look like it wasn't. That it happened before. Correct. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, not only that, but they ended up interviewing a QuickBooks customer service agent because they saw that a call came in on this account. And they found out that someone from Chase Merritt's phone number tried to delete Joseph's QuickBooks account. Mm. So they, he couldn't delete it because he didn't have the password. Okay. There was like a secret digit password or something like that. And uh, basically where there's smoke, there's fire. Sure. At this point. Like, what are you trying to do this for? Yep. And then lastly, Chase Merritt, he had grown up in this area of the desert. So he knew it very well. That not many people come around this area, hence three years passing. Yep. So exactly where the McStay family was found, he knew it very well. He was familiar with it. And oddly enough, his cell phone was reportedly in that area two days after McStay family um, went missing. Why would he take his cell phone if he's going to the scene of the crime? He's a dumbass. Sounds like. I mean, why? Fucking idiot. I don't know. That's like murder 101. (laughs) Your phone can be tracked. Right. And if you have it on you, when you're going to the scene of the crime, people will know. Yes. Yes. Stupid ass. Yeah. Luckily. Right. Thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. So then we go to November 5th. 
2014. Chase Merritt was arrested and charged with four counts of murder after his DNA. This was the, they finally got him. DNA was discovered inside the McStay vehicle. Okay. Prosecutors claim the McStays were murdered by Merritt for financial gain. Merritt is documented as writing checks totaling 21 grand on McStay's business account after McStay went missing. Now, depending on, there's two different things here going on. A lot of places say it was uh, to fuel a gambling addiction and nearby casinos. Okay. But there's also people that say he owed money to some people. So it's really. It could be both. Yeah, probably a little bit of both. Probably not very good with his money. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, they said he used it to fuel his gambling addiction at nearby casinos, which where he lost thousands of dollars. And then another website said investigators found an email from Joseph on February 1st. Okay, right before several days. Yep. So an email from Joseph who, who disappeared on February 1st, days before they disappeared, stating that Merritt owed him nearly $43,000. So that's the one. Okay. That's it. He's like, dude, you owe me 43 grand. And dude doesn't have 43 grand. Yeah. So apparently what uh, Merritt, Chase Merritt was, his job was like fabricating things. So like making certain designs of these fountains. Okay. Like you know, specialty designs, custom made design fountains. And um, uh, Joseph McStay, he would, you know, contract him and make, you know, make these these nice fountains. And, you know, McStay was making a ton of money on this uh-huh. stuff. So, but yeah, Merritt owed him 43 grand. Jesus. But again, why the children? Right. Like, why would you involve a three and a four-year-old? Absolutely sickening. That's disgusting. Well, for something like, I mean, 50 grand is a lot of money, but it's like. It's not like. Kill a whole fucking Yeah, that's family? insane. But yeah. that just goes to show. What Again, a psychopath. Yeah, we're not dealing with uh, standard people here. Sure, he just wanted to wipe out a problem. Correctly, correct. And uh, according to the arrest warrant, F. Davids filed in the case. This kind of sucks. Uh, just a little trigger trigger warning here. Uh-huh. So uh, autopsies concluded that all four victims had been beaten to death with a blunt object. Oh. Uh, investigators believe the murder weapon was a three-pound sledgehammer, which was found in the grave containing the remains of summer and her son that is so sad yep uh it uh it's really sad because you picture it i mean uh, oh, it's her baby yeah the kids uh bones were shattered oh so we hit them several times with a sledgehammer and uh, uh skulls were cracked oh my god so just like completely sick just brutalize these yeah. little babies yeah and yeah I mean, you know, again, it doesn't matter if you're a 43-year-old woman, but, I mean, innocent little children. I mean, yeah, it's it matters, obviously. Of course but, yeah. it matters, but the fact that a human being could do that to an innocent child that had nothing to do with this money. Logic, normal human logic is out the window. This guy's completely fucked, insane psychopath Ugh. that doesn't deserve breath, basically. Uh, investigators testified they believe the victims were tortured before they were killed. Oh, my God. It wasn't enough that you were killing them, but you had to torture them? Yeah. Good God. I hate to even think of what they went through. Yeah. It's really, really sad. And then you got to wonder, like, in what order? Because imagine a mother having to watch her children be tortured. It it, it would just be just it, it, too much to even imagine well you don't pay, maybe he pictured like oh yeah I owe you 43 grand how about this motherfucker you and know? you know what the guy probably would have said like forget the 43 grand we're wiped clean I'll, like i'll give you all my money uh, you like, can do anything just leave me and my family or kill me to leave my family you know <sighs> i don't know uh, but then he'd be implicated yeah yeah it's horrible so this guy is absolutely sick and twisted like out of his mind it's a big difference from going from burglary to killing a family absolute cold-blooded murder that's crazy yeah so 
he Merritt ends up going to trial. It started to get delayed multiple times because Merritt was attempting to represent himself first. Oh, that's what the biggest psychopaths do. Yeah. And then he kept on firing his attorneys. He'd gone through five attorneys between November and Fe- November 2013 to February 2016. Oh basically trying to delay everything. Yeah, of course. Yeah. In 2018, the trial was postponed again so that his current defense attorney could do more investigating. Five years? Like, what, what the fuck? Seriously? Like, like, enough is a damn enough. Yeah, our legal system just means to be like, yeah, time to shit or get off the pot. Especially, they're letting this ass, like, you know, uh, he was delay? All, yeah, he was in, in custody, but... Yeah, but still, like, let's get this done so yeah. that the family members can get some closure on this. Yeah, he, he remained jailed without bail, but still, it's but like... But still. Years, And he's like dicking years. around the legal system. Right, exactly, and it's unfortunate. I'm sure there's good reasons for this stuff, but it's just unbelievable. So his trial finally began on January 7th, 2019. Wow. And on June 10th, 2019... A San Bernardino County jury found Merritt guilty of murdering the McStay family. On June 24th, the jury recommended that Merritt be sentenced to death, and then the court upheld the jury's recommendation, and Merritt was sentenced to death on January 21st, 2020. Wow. So he's gone. Um, That was when he was sentenced. He's still around. Oh, okay. Yeah. So did he ever confess to doing this? No, never. He um, you know, had to go through the whole trial and everything, so... Um, yeah, he never admitted guilt or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, it was open and closed, basically. Because um, obviously his DNA was in the car, but that could be that, you know, he'd ridden in his car before. Right, right. So I, I was curious to know if he, the son of a bitch ever owned up to that. And then what about the family that passed through the border? Just happened to look like them? Yeah, I don't or know. Or did he you know, hire somebody? They w- to, he must have. Yeah. He must have hired a family of four that resembled them and paid them money to go through because that got them off of his case for right. how many years? three years and he almost got out scot-free yeah. with it so and until that person was riding in the desert and found those bodies right he could have gone on forever yep. he would have yeah yeah wow so, crazy crazy mysterious That's story. so sad yeah it's uh yeah we reminded our kids there's some crazies out there yeah and you know they'll stop at nothing something as little as 50 000, i mean fifty thousand. it was for what forty three thousand. yeah it's a lot of money it is but you you don't kill a family no I mean, you can work something out of course meantime. you can. Just say, hey, guy, I, I don't have this money. But he's a piece of shit. Right. Right. So that was the, McStory, the, the story of the McStay family. That's so sad. I'm so sorry for them. Yeah. Ugh, disgusting. Yep. But like our son makes fun of me because I'm nervous about certain things. Like we have a one-story home and he wants to sleep with his bedroom window open. I'm like, you cannot sleep with your window open. Well, why not? I'm like, because it's perfect access literally it's up to somebody's chest standing out in the yard you cannot sleep with your window open yeah we've got a one-story house here basically a lot of a lot of houses here in florida are one story yeah um just long house basically but uh yeah it's you got to be vigilant it's you have to take precautions of course this family couldn't have because they knew this guy this was somebody within yeah exactly you know you you worry about the unknown and people you don't know but this guy knew this family yep I don't know what his relationship was with them on a personal basis. Like he said, if he, was, he knew Summer personally. Did he have dinners with them? He said that he was one of the best friends of Joseph. Oh, how do you do it? Yeah. And, and initially, they started as business associates, and then you know kept on going out to dinners and stuff, and because they were making a lot of money together, so always sure. seeing each other. 
and uh, apparently, yeah, just decided I don't want to owe him money anymore. Pay him this money I owe him. So he was probably in debt from gambling and couldn't pay the forty three grand. That he right, owed. and he was in the hole. Yeah, and it was getting deeper and deeper. Yeah, God knows how much. And I mean, again, I just can't fathom why involve the children. I just I don't get it. Because we're parents and we see that I, any upstanding human being would understand not to kill anybody in general but much less defenseless children you know what's weird though is that he chose to torture and beat them yeah like he didn't he even take them and like do execution style with a gun he tortured them so that goes to show like he is sadistic and sick and there was a lot of anger there yeah you'd have to think a gun would be nice and quick i mean or a knife or something i mean you know? he, that just goes to show his character and how well, regardless he if he held them even via shotgun but the fact that he chose to torture and and beat them so severely like that absolutely sick that's sick yep well sad story yep so if you're uh, out there you owe a lot of money to somebody then you know there's there's other ways out there people yeah, are, willing, there are people are willing to talk about it even if you don't think so i mean there's there's any there's a way out yeah i mean i know there's people. like scary situations with money where like you owe somebody bad money they're gonna make you disappear they're gonna make your family disappear like those right. shady avenues yeah but, you know, you can declare bankruptcy and all of that. Yeah, if, if you're not in a shady avenue. If, yeah. you're not if, shady, going, if you're not going down the shady avenue. Yeah, if, if then yeah, shady's a different thing. You got right. yourself into that. Just off yourself. If you're this guy, if you're uh, Merit, just kill yourself, right? <sighs> Go hang yourself somewhere. That, that solves everything. You don't kill any kids or other families or anything. Yeah. Should have hung himself. Piece of shit. Now he's going to die anyways, so... Anyway, yeah. Well, on hey, that note, yeah. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Um, you know, we uh, please tell for some friends, give us a like, and uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, Crime and Coffee too. Yes, and if you are listening to this, we really do appreciate it. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah. Until next week, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.